You're listening to the Story Track Podcast. This is the show where we have conversations with business owners, entrepreneurs, and community leaders about their story and what keeps them on track. In this episode, we're speaking with the co-founder of 2D Sports. He's also a real estate investor who owns properties across the country and is in Navy Special Operations. This triple whammy of a guest is Ramsey Kyle. Ramsey and his wife currently live in San Diego, California, where he recently finished up yet another house hack. Ramsey has learned a lot in his adventures so far and is here to share the wins, the fails, and the lessons in between. Welcome to the show, Ramsey Kyle. So Ramsey, thanks for joining us today, man. Yeah, man, no worries. How you doing? I'm doing good. Hey, so, you know, what's your, you know, what's your day like today? Like, what are you grateful for? I know you're joining, you know, joining us from California. Like, how are things over there for you? Uh, it's good. So getting up a little earlier these days, uh, trying to get back into my routine. Uh, my day is looking like getting up, uh, going on a walk and uh, getting in, getting in, going to work. I'm, I'm actually in the Navy. I'm an explosive ordnance disposal technician. And because of, uh, I got about three months until I deploy. So me and my platoons are doing workups and stuff like that. But it's also the mid, you know, June right now. So it's the middle of travel baseball summer season. So every, every day when I get off of work, I start uh, communicating with teams, getting them into our tournaments and making sure they're taken care of. And then it's also uh, kind of COVID is, is, is starting to open back up. So there's a lot of travel, um, a lot of people starting to travel. So all of our Airbnb rental businesses and stuff like that, that's starting to pick up. So things are looking good. Uh, wasn't that way a couple months ago. Uh, travel baseball and quarantine don't really mix very well. And I imagine. <laughs> yeah. And Airbnb kind of shut down, uh, as you know, short term rentals in Florida, which is where most of my Airbnbs are. But as of right now, things are things are definitely starting to look uh, look a lot better. Mm, that's good. So, you know, being a guy like you live in you know, California, you're obviously very involved in the Navy, but you're also very involved in travel baseball and you're also very involved with with investment properties in Panama city, which is my hometown. So it's funny how all that, you know, sort of comes together, you know, so kind of give me a brief, you know, sort of a snapshot of, you know, how it is that you manage a lifestyle where you're balancing, you know, three very major things that are all very different and separated. And ironically, you know, you know, a couple of them so centered around, you know, travel, which, you know, this being podcast being recorded on June 9th, we're, kind of just coming out of, you know, the serious part, you know, of COVID, you know, things are starting to clear up, which I'm now it was making you know, things a lot easier for you. So what does balance, you know, look like for you in your life? That's a good question. It's funny that you, you're like the first one that pointed out that everything in my life revolves around traveling. <laughs> I've never really <laughs> thought about it because in the military, I mean, we travel all the time. Uh, and I think the coronavirus kind of made me realize how uh, reliant I was on the travel industry. So um, but what the, the kind of the way I got started is I, I was in the Navy out in San Diego before, um, mm -hmm. and I had the opportunity to take orders down to Panama city to go be an instructor at the Navy dive school. And, uh, at first I, I, I didn't really know if I wanted to go back to Florida. I mean, I, I really like California. It's just so expensive out here. Um, but I knew that moving back to the Southeast would kind of open up some windows for investments. And me and my brother were already looking at starting our own, uh, our baseball. We had a, we had a baseball product that we wanted to take to market and, uh, all my family's back in Louisiana. So just mm -hmm. moving to Florida kind of made it where I'd be closer to home. 
but we ended up doing that. We ended up starting our first business, uh, which I don't want to say it was a massive failure uh, because <laughs> we, we learned a lot from it uh, and we had some successes. And, and honestly, it, our business was was much more successful than than me and him were, uh, if that makes sense. So we started a, a baseball bat business called Ammo Bats, and it was basically uh, we had a product that would increase how fast a person could swing a bat. Uh, we got it patented, and we went to a uh, a couple trade shows. We we started our online business, and we ended up winning some awards. The product itself was really good, um, but the business plan was not. Uh, my brother was full time coach. I'm full-time Navy. Neither one of us were, were had the ability or were willing to quit our full-time jobs. Mm-hmm. And we really needed to have, for that business, we needed to have somebody who was full-time able to answer phones. Um, mm-hmm. But we didn't have any marketing money. And so uh, my brother kind of came up with a really good idea. He said, in, in, instead of spending money on marketing, why don't we host baseball tournaments to where uh, we will get baseball teams to come play in our tournaments and then they'll come to us. They'll pay us to play in the event and then they'll see our baseball bats, uh, you know, put them in their hands and then we're buying from us. Right. That was the idea of it. And it worked. It worked out well. Um, we did this throughout the summers and eventually we had uh, we got picked up by East Bay magazine. We got picked up by Dick Sporting Goods online, uh, better baseball out in Georgia. So we really started to get some traction. And we won uh, the the most innovative product of 2000 and I want to say six 2014 wow. uh, at the uh, the ABCA, which is American Baseball Coach Association trade show. Got put on the front cover of the magazine, and and things started to really climb for us. Uh, but what didn't climb for us was our ability to delegate any of the tasks. Right, so yeah. Our customer service started to suffer. We started having some returns, some some manufacturing issues. Uh, we had to get some investors involved, so we bought a bunch of inventory. Uh, and then we kind of got hit in the face. Uh, we, we had the ability to license that off to a different company, a much larger company out in California. We chose to do so. And when we did that, uh, we were just looking at it like, man, this is going to be great. We're just going to sit back and collect money in the mail. And... Uh, it didn't happen. <laughs> they, they, they sold a, a lot of, they sold a lot of the bats. Um, they did in the first couple of years, but what we learned was, uh, you know, like they, they took on all the marketing, they took on all the manufacturing, took on all the shipping, everything. We didn't have to do anything. Um, but they had a CEO who was a very baseball oriented guy and he left, uh, went from that company to, to I think to Nike and the new guy that came in was a very big soccer guy, so he didn't care about baseball. And uh, kind of all the marketing funds got got removed. And uh, during this process, me and my brother kind of looked at each other and were like, "Well, you know, we're not going to go back. We're not going to be able to do what they can do with the with the baseball bats." But we did have these tournaments, and we took all of the lessons that we learned from Ammo Bats, which is uh, was the baseball product side of it, and applied it to the tournament business. So we got a full-time guy, started to delegate tasks. We put together processes and procedures. We set up a customer service line. Um, And our full-time guy, uh, his name is Brandon, was an amazing, he's an MBA. He's very Mm -hmm. task-oriented. He was able to take me and my brother's vision and implement it, which is kind of something that was hard for me and my brother being full-time. 
And in fact, over the years, uh, he took it from a six tournament organization to last year, we threw 120 uh, travel tournaments. Uh, wow. Went, yeah, it went from... Uh, That's to- some growth. Yeah, it's. I mean, he every year he he pretty much doubles. He, he can't really double now because like doubling would would mean adding like five or six states a year now. But it, it went from hosting six tournaments in Louisiana at some of the uh, colleges in Louisiana to from now we go from about the, if you drew a line through the middle of Texas, from Texas all the way to the Florida Panhandle, all the way up to uh, Southern Illinois, and that's kind of our our box, right? Um, so. Anyways, that's the baseball side of it. And the only reason I got involved in baseball, being an active duty military guy, was because my brother uh, was a baseball coach and he kind of hit me up. But my passion uh, is not the game of baseball, right? Like I really just like mm-hmm. building stuff. And yeah. I would take um, any of the money that I made from the baseball tournament business and I would go back uh, to Pan- – I'm at Panama City at this point – and to put it into perspective, like out in San Diego, uh, you're, you're a half a million dollars to buy anything. Just like a regular looking house is like half a million dollars. Right. Yeah. And I'm my brother is more involved in real estate than I am. And he wants to move to California. And he's like, dude, it's crazy how different it is. Like a house in California versus a house in Panhandle. It's like same house and hundreds of thousands of dollars in difference prices. It's insane. It's insane. Yeah. Like, like I, the first real estate property that that i bought in uh florida that that wasn't like my primary residence was a duplex i bought it for forty thousand dollars dude you can't even buy a mailbox in california for four thousand dollars insane right like Like, was it dilapidated like falling apart or was it was it livable like yeah i mean it it, it's uh and and this is kind of the power of real estate too right like it's uh I bought it for $40,000. It rents out for 450 bucks per side, right? I put a 30-year mortgage on that thing. So my mortgage is literally less than $300 a month. It rents out for $900 a month. I pay a dude 75 bucks to cut the grass. I don't even have a property manager for the thing because the tenants that live in it have been there for, one's been there for 10 years, one's been there for eight years. They they don't have any complaints. They, they take care yeah. of it. And if you're only it, paying $400 for rent, why are you going to complain? Yeah, right. I mean, it's, it's just, they don't bring Dude, way to go. Like that is an accomplishment. So what, you know, how did your investments, you know, then begin to grow over time after that first one in the panhandle? Well, so, so let, let me back up to uh, the first, I guess, because that was the first property that I bought that wasn't a primary residence, right? So yeah. in the military, you can use the VA loan to buy a house that you're going to live in. You have to live in it. You can't use the VA loan for uh, investment properties. Okay. And when we moved from California to Florida, um, we had, we had our daughter, uh, we had, we, we, and we were looking to expand our family. It was me and my wife, Hope and uh, our daughter, Kylie. And my dad had told me when I was young, he says, if you can ever buy like a duplex and live in one side and run out the other side, and, and have it cover your mortgage. It's like, you'll, you'll be able to live pr- a lot more freely. And in California, that just really wasn't an option, right? It's like, you're, you're looking into millions of dollars once you get into multifamily. Mm-hmm. Um, but I had remembered that. And before we left for Florida, my wife and I had done, you know, I've always been very like financially focused. So we had done like the Dave Ramsey, take all of your 
cash and put it in envelopes and divvy it up. We had done yeah. uh, automatic millionaire where it's like the guy tells you don't, don't buy Starbucks or don't drink Red Bulls or don't dip or don't do any of these little things that cost, uh, you know, like five bucks a day. Cause it'll add up to be a couple hundred bucks a month. And you put that into savings and we had done all that and ended up saving about 500 bucks a month. Right. And we were super proud of ourselves for that. And, and, and that, and that, that, that was like, I'm telling you, every every time we get a paycheck, I go to the, the bank, get it in cash, put an envelope, and I remember my wife giving me like a, a little uh, envelope that had like 75 bucks, and that was my money to go have fun with for the month. And I was like, mm-hmm. "This sucks, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not fun." And so uh, when we moved to Florida, I told my wife, "I says I, I think we need to find uh, like a duplex and live in one side," and and she was like. How about no? <laughs> oh, man. I was like, what? And she, uh, she's like, look, Ramsey, that, that all sounds great. I do not want to share a wall with somebody. She's like, we're trying to expand our family. We have dogs. Like, I don't want to live next to a tenant who's going to hear us when we like live, like argue or, or, you know, like discipline our child or discipline the or just anything. Yeah. Um, she's like, I do not want to do she's zero interest in it. Right. And uh, I asked her if it was a no or if it was like a yes, but. Right. And all I really heard from that conversation was she did not want to share a wall. And mm. uh, that kind of got the gears turning. So I started looking for properties that had a, a detached unit on it. And I found this little, uh, and, and keep in mind, I'd never been into real estate before this. I bought a single family house and sold it. We made some money on the sell. Um, and, but that was it. There was no more income. Yeah. And so we took that money from the sell and we bought, or we ended up uh, looking for places in Panama city and this little area called the cove, uh, super cutesy, right? Yeah. Uh, big live oak trees, Spanish moss hanging. And we ended up finding this older house uh, that was built by the, 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 it was like the local builder in the area. So it had these beautiful hardwood floors, like these maple floors, had all this good mm. work on it. And it had a backyard with a fence. And beyond the fence, there was these two little cottages, right? Little one bedroom, one bath cottages. They had their own alley access. Uh, there was like nothing shared, but the plumbing. Okay. And, I, I told the real estate agent, I said, I'm going to bring my wife and I'm going to show her this, but do not mention those cottages on the back. Right. And uh, she's like, okay, this is weird. So I bring my wife in, I show her the house and I was like, what do you think? She's like, house is great. I was like, you could live here. She's like, yeah. I was like, well, what do you think about the neighbors behind the back, behind the fence? She's like, it's neighbors. I said, all right, check it out. This place is going to cost us $1,200 a month to own. Right. That's the the pity insurance, principal interest, taxes, and insurance. Mm -hmm. Each one of those places rent out for $650. It's like literally, babe, we could live here and get paid a hundred bucks a month to live in the big house. Right. I mean, the the two little one bedroom, one bath cottages. Oh yeah. I mean, the people that live in the back are living in, in, in less than 500 square foot. And we get a three bedroom, two bed house, hardwood floors, two car garage, trees, a swing. I mean, pavers, the patio, the deck, everything. We get to, we get paid a hundred dollars to live here if we buy this place. And that's kind of like when it clicked for the whole family that 
uh, now we were getting paid uh, about $1,500 for our, our housing allowance, plus a hundred bucks to live there a month where we could have wow. our bucks. We could have our Red Bulls. We could go to the movies. We didn't have to like, instead of, instead of, I don't want to say suffering, but instead of like sucking it up to save 500 bucks a month, all we had yeah, to do yeah. was make a solid investment and make really make about $1,300 a month of, of straight cash flow. And wow. when we realized that we're like, dude, we got to, we got to figure out this real estate thing. Um, and, and she wasn't, uh, sorry, my mouth's getting dry. But she wasn't super comfortable with it at first. Um, but really at the end of the day, they were just like neighbors, like the tenants went and paid and dropped money off at a bank. We never really saw them, you know, I mean, they, they, they stuck along. There was really no- having to go and knock, knock, knock. All right. Where's your money? <laughs> yeah. At first it was like that. Uh, and then I, I, I turned that around real quick. Like <laughs> I, say, I, I wanted like a, a contact free tenant, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we're neighbors. We're not, we're not, you know, we're not roommates or we're not friends. So, uh, but yeah, so that, that, that was kind of the, uh, the first intro to real estate for our family. And, that, yeah. and I'm big on, uh, on like your comfort zone. Right. And it's, it's, a, a, I got told at a young age, everything that you want in life is just outside of your comfort zone. And my wife was definitely not comfortable uh, being a landlord or anything like that. But after the first couple of months living there, she realized, dude, this isn't bad at all. We became comfortable with, now we're real estate investors, right? Like uh, mm-hmm. we own, we're, we're landlords. And so from there it was, all right, let's, let's expand this a little bit. Let's buy something that's not that we're not going to live in. Right. Let's cause that, well, that's what you call a house hack, right? You buy, you buy yeah. when you have rental on it. Um, so from there we, we bought that duplex I told you about $40,000. Uh, it's making 600 bucks a month. And I tell you what, man, like in the military, you're constantly climbing the corporate ladder. And I remember I went from a chief to a senior chief in the Navy. Uh, and it took, you know, it was like a, a three year process you work your butt off, you get evaluated by your boss. Um, you know, you, you, you're constantly, uh, competing with your, your peers. Right. Um, yeah. and it, it, the, the pay increase was about 500 bucks a month. Right. Mm. Well, that duplex that I bought, that took a, that was a 30 day process, right? <laughs> yeah. 30 day process. It makes 600 bucks a month until the day I, until I sell it. Right. So yeah, uh, that's, those, those little things were like, man, I, I don't know if the corporate ladders is, is fun. And obviously I'm going to, I'm going to finish out my time in the military because I, I love my job, mm-hmm. uh, but, but real estate really is that, that long-term wealth builder. And yeah, for once sure. Once we bought that duplex, uh, we started taking all that money and putting it into a savings account and working our way up into a, uh, a seven unit apartment complex that I completely renovated out. Um, that's where I met one of your other guests, Nicole Ludwig. Uh, she mm-hmm. completely manages all my properties down there, rents a lot of them out uh, as Airbnbs. Yeah. And, and then from there, I started expanding out into different cities, uh, invested in North Louisiana and then uh, with with a partner. And that partner uh, and I are now uh, looking for much larger 30 to, to 80 unit apartment complexes uh, in different cities. Mm. Uh, and I moved out to San Diego, California, and just finished up my house hack out here. Uh, just posted the uh, I, I converted two bedrooms into an Airbnb, and uh, you know, like out here, the mortgage is about four thousand dollars a month versus in Panama City, twelve hundred. 
Um, yeah. The house hack out here helps cover roughly half the mortgage where the, you know, that, but that's what you get in California and covering half yeah. your mortgage in California, <laughs> pretty big deal. <laughs> yeah, so, for sure. That's pretty much it. Mm. And that's awesome. So you really seem, you know, you're a guy who has, you know, specialized in a few different, you know, a few different areas and seen success, you know, in a few different areas where it's, it's very common where people will, you know, be, you know, misguided and misdirected and they'll go this route and then that'll fail and go this route and that fail and they'll find their thing. So I think what's really interesting about you is it seems like you're really, you know, excelling in the Navy and you're serving our country and doing everything you're on that side. And you've excelled inside of this tournament, a tournament business with the baseball thing. And even though that, you know, it, it hit some rough waters, you kind of, you know, turn that on its head and you're know, seeing success with that. And you're seeing success and in investment properties, which I think is something that most people have the opportunity to step into at some point in their life. You know, even if they're not baseball people or if they don't consider themselves military, you know, people. And I just think that's really, really interesting. So with all of this, you know, what are some lessons that you feel like you've, you know, you've learned, you know, for, for any, any of the three that you think that you'd want to, you know, share with somebody who's listening to this because it's complicated and it's scary, especially, you know, like the your real estate thing. If you don't know anything about real estate, it's like, well, I don't know anything about real estate, so I can't step into real estate, but obviously you didn't know anything about it whenever you first stepped into it. So, you know, what would you say to somebody? So it's funny that you say that because in the, in the baseball world, it was failure first success second. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and the part, the part of the story that I left out on the real estate world was it, it was success first. And I, I, I almost want to say I got complacent, like just, uh, I guess I got an ego about me because mm-hmm. everything that I did, if you, if you bought property in 2015, pretty much anywhere in the United States. I mean, obviously there's some anomalies to that, but, and to, to into today's world, you've probably made some money, right? Mm. Um, well, in 2015, 16 was when I was buying my properties in Panama city. And that's whenever my friend, uh, Brandon reached out to me and he was like, Hey man, I like what you're doing. Um, I want to get into real estate. I says, Oh, look, Hey, here's how I do it in Panama city. Here's the numbers that I run. Here's the property types I look for. Why don't you go do that where you live? And I'll, you know, I'll invest half the money. You invest the other half and, and manage the properties uh, for a couple of years. And we'll just split the profits, right? Simple as that. Cut and paste. Uh, wrong. <laughs> and so that, that that's where uh, in Panama City, everything that worked in Panama City at the time that I was doing it, I didn't realize it. I was just getting... Uh, I don't want to say I was just getting lucky because I was actually out there and creating my own luck, right? Yeah. But the luck ran out when the market shifted. And what I didn't realize is that Shreveport, Louisiana, which is where I invested uh, with Brandon, yeah, there was a whole different thing going on in Shreveport. Uh, really? That, that city itself uh, didn't have the population growth Panama City had. It didn't have the the uh, the low vacancies. Uh, Panama City's crime was dropping. Uh, there's a lot of metrics that I did not understand that I just happened to be investing in the right place at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Um, and if you go try and invest in Panama City today, there's very low inventory. So there's a lot of competition. So the prices are really high. It just wasn't the case in 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, in Shreveport, 
Brandon ran all the numbers that I run and did all the metrics and we bought nine units. Uh, we bought a six unit apartment complex and a triplex within six months, right? Just boom, boom, boom. Let's make it happen. Take action, right? That's the deal. Yeah. <laughs> and over a two year period of time, I've been written one check for $250, but I've written two checks for a thousand dollars to send back to those properties. So I've lost money in Shreveport. We've actually got those properties for sale right now. Um, so what we what we have learned from, uh, I guess, uh, in a very generic view, what we have learned from that is that um, every bit, there's nothing in business that's just cut and paste, right? You really got to do your due yeah. diligence. And just because it worked at this time in this location with real estate doesn't mean that you can just copy and paste that to then, you know, another yeah. place because it's all all different. Yeah. And check yourself, right? Like, uh, compla- we, we say in the military all the time, complacency kills. The moment you're starting to get comfortable is the moment you need to kind of reset and calibrate. Uh, yeah. and that was what's happening with me. Like I was getting very loose with it. I was just like, I'm going to buy everything that I can. I'm going to, any, any money that I make, I'm going to put it right back in real estate because you can't lose. Yes, you can. And I, and I, honestly, I got lucky because I haven't really lost a ton of money in, 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 in the investments in Shreveport, but I really could have. Um, yeah, yeah. It's just like they they have paid for themselves, but every now and then there becomes a capital expenditure, like a you know, like a, a water heater or break or something like that. Just kind of takes all your profits out of the bank. You got to put it right back into it. Yeah, so, yeah. but as far as as far as the lessons learned, um, like the lessons learned from the 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 baseball bat business. All right, what I will say is is I was looking at getting out of the baseball business altogether because of how difficult um, it was to run that bat business. Mm-hmm. But I talked to a mentor of mine and he basically said, look, man, you don't know how close you are to success the day that you quit, right? You could be, you could be right there and you've learned all of you. You've literally paid, right? The first business lost some money. Mm-hmm. Um, you've literally paid that money to get the education that you now have and you're going to stop. Right. Think and it was basically explaining to me is like in the world of business, there isn't really a college like you can go get your MBA, but there's not like a college that teaches you how to run businesses. They might teach leadership. They might teach you how to run numbers, but there's not necessarily that that human domain that you have to navigate. It's not necessarily uh, it's not all on you. Right. So think of how much money people pay to go to college and then go out and be successful. Well, in the world of business, your college is your failures. That's your tuition, mm. right? So you just pay for a college tuition. You're not going to turn around and use that. And when he said that to me, I was like, I'm kind of being an idiot right now. And when, that's whenever me and my brother decided, hey, man, let's write down all the lessons that we've learned, right? We need a full time. Uh, we need somebody who can who can pay attention to this. We need to put the vision in place, put the business plan in place and find someone who can implement it. And we need to mm-hmm. stay on top of these numbers. And once we did that, I mean, it, it I don't want to say it was cut and paste because that's, <laughs> that's a term that I don't like to use. Yeah. What it was like, let's just it's, it's measurable and repeatable. Let's continue to do this. And yeah. yeah, it's not like you're cutting and pasting it, but you've you've got a formula, you know what works, you know what to look out for. You know, so then as you're transplanting it from this location to this location, you're know, moving this tournament over here and copying over here, like you already, you've done the research and you know what to look out for. So it's not a cut and paste, but it's a cut and paste, but then you refine it a bit. 
Yeah, exactly. And and another another one would be would be focused, right? So with the back company, we had really it should have never been a back company. It was a product that we had. Uh, the product itself was was a very strong product. I mean, I it, I still have some of these systems in my uh, in my garage, and they're they're beautifully designed, beautifully uh, um, like built, right? And and we came up with a whole training process. We did it right. It was just so expensive to buy it that what we didn't realize is that people aren't going to spend that much money on a training product. So the product yeah. itself was really good. But how to get that good of a product into the people's hand at affordable price was something that we didn't understand. So not every good product yeah. is a good business plan. Um, but our focus should have been on how to get that product into people's hand, how to train people. But it just so happened that the same business that built those products also made baseball bats. So we're like, well, why don't we sell baseball bats too? And then we started throwing the tournaments. So like, well, we throw mm-hmm. tournaments. Why don't we... Uh, set up, uh, you know, a tent at the tournaments and sell concession stands and and products. And we just started taking on all of these different things. It really took away from yeah. the focus of what should have been just sell the product. Um, and once you get really good at that, and it's it's I don't want to say autopilot, but but you can you can make it extremely efficient. Then you can start to focus on other things. But we were just getting started. Uh, not enough people knew about the product. Not enough people knew what it was. So we never bridged that educational gap and we started taking our focus into other things. And I don't know how many customer service calls that I would be on that for like three hours, I'd sit there and explain these things and talk and they would end up buying like a $30 bat, right? Yeah. It's like, hey, that's great, but I can't, you know, $10 an hour. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> three hour conversation to buying one bat. Yeah. <laughs> So, so once we said, okay, our, our business is now going to be baseball tournaments. Um, we're going to host tournaments at the high school level. We're going to host every tournament's going to have a college field. We're going to have this many teams. This is the, this is the people that are going to have to run this thing. We really started to polish off what our business was and focus on that. And we've had plenty of people uh, approach us and say, Hey, would you like to get into softball or volleyball or whatever it is? And Yes, eventually we may we may get into those things, but not until we master and dominate the high school level baseball. And in fact, we've exactly. gotten into youth uh, because it's a complimentary uh, service, right? But we will never let that take away from our core competency, which is the high school level tournament. Yeah, so. man, that's good stuff, man. Yeah, so I think it's about time to. You know, to wrap up, but I I love the the areas that I feel like you focused on. You know, throughout all this is take the next step, go ahead and you know, do the thing that you got to do. Buy the property, do the whatever. Don't be afraid to fail because whenever you're in business, you know, failing is your education, which I think is is so so good. Because imagine how many businesses where someone failed and then they quit, whereas if they if they would have taken the failure to learn from it, change what they were doing, not just, you know, cut and paste in the same thing, hoping for a different result. And then knowing what to focus on, not expanding out for, you know, for no reason, not going in the direction of the concession stand and this and the, this and the, this, but, yeah. you know, knowing what you, you know, what you specialize in, you know, I, I have that with, you know, with my video company, you know, as well. Like I get questions about, well, do you do this sort of thing and this sort of thing? And over the years I've realized like, 
you know, the kind of the area that my video business really, really focuses on is helping businesses connect with people. And if it doesn't, if the, if the product doesn't encompass that, then it's probably not something I could probably do it, but yeah. really not the area that I care about the most and not the area that I should you know, really focus on the most. So, man, thank you so much you know, for your time. I hope that a lot of people watching this, I know they've learned a lot. Hopefully some people go out and they buy some real estate, but they buy it the smart way. <laughs> maybe some people join the Navy. Maybe somebody, you know, ends up, you know, being your competition on the baseball tournament front. We never know. <laughs> yeah. Well, if, if anyone is interested in investing in real estate, they can, they can email it, email me at Ramsey at realfocus.org. Really, I, I love talking mm. about real estate uh, and, and I'll sit down and chat with anybody just to educate them on it. Uh, oh, that's good. So that, that's me and my partner, Brandon are, are getting into larger apartment complexes and, and we're starting to, uh, to to really develop those relationships. So anybody out there listening who's in the real estate world or wants to get into it, I'd love to chat with you. Hit me up. You can have a phone call. But yeah, um, I really drop in your time on that. That's, that's an excellent, excellent resource. Thank you for watching this episode of the Story Track Podcast. If you learned something, if this episode added value to you in any way and you want to support us, please leave us a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you listen to this podcast. Share it with a friend if you care about him and you want to learn something. And of course, take Ramsey up on his offer. If you've got any questions you want to learn about real estate investing, Ramsey is an excellent person to talk to and learn some more about it. Be sure to tune in next week as we have a conversation with the director of Lavished Ministries and the host of the brand new podcast, Strip Christianity. Here's a little teaser to what we have in store. Welcome to Strip Christianity, where hosts Nicole Phillips and Kendra Lundstrom have raw conversations about life, ministry, and the adult entertainment industry. Wait, what? Nicole Phillips is the executive director of Lavish Ministries, a Florida nonprofit that provides support to women working in the adult entertainment industry. Co-host Kendra Lundstrom, who formerly worked in the adult industry, now serves as a survivor advocate with Lavish Ministries. This is Strip Christianity, here are your hosts.